On today's episode, how I'm preventing injuries in 2024. Welcome to the podcast, helping you train, rehab, and run smarter. When I first started running in my 20s, I knew it would be something I'd be passionate about for the rest of my life. But unfortunately, developing injury after injury disrupted my progress and left me undertrained at the start line on race day. Even with my knowledge as a physio, I still fell victim to the vicious injury cycle and when searching for answers, struggled to decipher between common running myths and evidence-based guidance. That's what this podcast is here to help you with. So join me as a Run Smarter Scholar and let's break the injury cycle by raising your running IQ and achieving running feats you never thought possible. Welcome back, Run Smarter Scholars. I have a solo episode out today, and I'm going to be discussing uh, what I'm personally doing to try to maximize my performance while reducing my risk as much as possible um, of injuries. And yeah, going to lay it all out because um, it's a bit of a different year for me. I haven't really been um, looking booking or training for any races for a couple of years now. Um, ever since COVID really, I, prior to that, I was doing uh, a trail run series that we have here in Melbourne and was really enjoying that and also doing a whole bunch of, um, CrossFit stuff. And that was really carrying over into my trail runs and was performing, did pretty well. Um, I got, I think I got third in my age group for that series and, um, enjoyed it, but, then those cancelled uh, races got cancelled um, during COVID and my CrossFit, like, you know, I didn't return because that had a um, put everything on pause and I was just content, happy. I was fit and healthy for the last couple of years during COVID, doing my own gym routine, doing my own running and, you know, sort of doing some longer runs. Uh, my routine would be for the most part, like some shorter runs, about three or four shorter runs midweek around about four or five Ks or about like half an hour. And then my long run would stretch into the weekend and be about 10 to 12 Ks or like an hour, um, sometimes a bit longer. And I was just happy with that. All slow running, never really pushed myself um, and just tried to get stronger in the gym. But again, I got pretty complacent with that and would do strength training twice a week. Um, but most recently, like Mackenzie's seven months old now and starting to get a little bit more routine back and thought I was telling my partner, Megan, you know, maybe I'll start looking ahead to prepping or trying out a race. And I was thinking about a marathon. I was thinking about the trail run series again. Um, but never really decided on anything until I decided or the idea popped into my head of maybe training for a high rocks event. And I've only heard about it last year. I only know of its existence last year after I had one of my clients, Joey, who was a success story on the podcast. And the um, idea is there's eight stations, eight workout stations, and they're various things of rowing, um, sled push, sled pull, wall balls, burpees, um, rowing, ski erg, I'm probably repeating myself here, um, and lunges, and there's a 1K 
run in between each of those eight workouts. And so I thought to myself, um, I do like committing to races, um, but if I wanted to commit to a marathon, um, it just doesn't tick a lot, like all of the boxes that I want to tick for my overall health. Because what I follow when it comes to being healthy, obviously running is going to be a major component of that cardiovascular workout. Um, I want some really high intensity stuff and I want a lot of strength training type of stuff. And we know that strength training does carry over into training a lot, um, getting big, but for the, the high rocks, you kind of need a bit more muscle mass. And I think for me moving forward, like if I'm looking at myself at 60 years old, what do I want to be? Or what does my training need to contain? What does my body need to look like for me to be just well-rounded, healthy? I need muscle mass. I need to be cardiovascularly challenged, like doing the endurance stuff, but also have the sprinkle of really high intensity stuff. And I think Hyrox is a perfect combination of that. So if I enjoy that, if I do this event and really enjoy it and really enjoy the training, perhaps this is going to be integrated into my daily life, who knows, um, for a long time coming, just because like I say, it ticks all those boxes of where I want to be. And the vast, vast majority of it, I've been looking at YouTube videos about high rocks. And one of the major tips is you've got to get good at running because <laughs> it is like 50 to 60% of the entire event. So if, you, if you're a good runner, you're going to do well. But obviously with my, um, most of my training being around running, I'm really going to struggle with the heavy stuff, really going to struggle with the sled push, the sled pulls and all those, but um, with enough training and hopefully building up a bit of muscle bulk, um, I can sort of iron out those weaknesses. But um, that sort of was my decision. So I've decided to do that. Um, it's becoming a bit more popular here in Australia. They've just they've just um, started doing these events last year for the first time ever. And they did two locations and now, it, because of its popularity, they've expanded that to like four or five different locations in Australia this year. And um, yeah, like I say, it's got a whole bunch of different things. It's got strength, intensity, vast majority is running. Um, but I know this is going to be extremely different. Like I haven't really done much rowing before. Haven't ever done a ski erg. Don't even know what to do there. Um, I've had a bit of crossfit background so i'm familiar with the wall balls the burpees the lunges um and those sorts of things but with it being so different carries a lot of risk anytime you're training for something that's different that your body needs to get used to there is a heightened risk of injury so i am well aware of that and so i've come up with a bit of an action plan a lot of routines i've put in to try to mitigate and lower that risk as much as possible so I'm going to share those today and hopefully you enjoy this and can apply this to your training, whether that's marathons, triathlons, um, whatever you have coming up this year. So uh, the first thing I wanted to mention, this race is five months away. So I have what I believe is plenty of time to train based on how fit I am at day one. Um, you know, I've been doing the running bulk of my running has been fine. Um, I think five months is more than enough time to prepare. Um, and so that's an injury prevention tip in itself. If you're training for a race, you want to make sure that you allow enough time, you allocate enough time. 
And I've seen way too many runners try to manage an injury. They finally overcome their injury and they say, I've got a marathon that's in three months time. And I say, all right, if you really want to do that, uh, we can try to push for it. But just so you know, there's a lot of risks associated um, as long as we weigh up those risks and rewards. So timeframe wise, I feel like it's a good decision. Number two, a structured plan to avoid abrupt loads. We know this is a huge factor when it comes to mitigating injury risk. We want to try to avoid abrupt training loads. Running related injuries doesn't really matter too much about, um, you know, form, technique, uh, how flat your feet are, what shoes you're wearing, all those sorts of things. The major thing that we keep coming back to is making sure that you slowly adapt and that we avoid abrupt changes in load. That being speed, hills, that being volume, that being effort, all those sorts of things. And so I've spent, well, in the initial days, I'm probably about, I don't know, four or five weeks in, I probably should say, into this high rocks training. And for the first two weeks, three weeks, um, I was in sort of like a construction phase. So like planning out where I should put certain workouts, where I should put squats, where I should put um, easy running versus speed running versus long running versus like a whole bunch of things. So I spent a good couple of weeks sort of just feeling it out, testing it out and seeing what I want to move around here and there. And I should probably bring it up. So at the moment, and this requires a fair bit of changing up. I'm still making some fine adjustments here and there, but I've put um, Monday an optional easy run or row. I actually bought a rower um, secondhand off Facebook marketplace, which is working really well. Uh, But it's relatively going to be a rest day for the legs uh, because my workout is my chest press and some sort of core exercises and testing out my grip strength. Uh, one thing I didn't mention, um, one of the eight workouts is a farmer's carry and I need to carry a 24 kilogram uh, kettlebell in each hand. And I have some 24 kettlebells here. I've also got a 28 kettlebell. Let me try and do this for pounds, pounds to kilograms. Um, so in terms of the kettlebells that I have to hold, it's 52 pounds in each hand and I have to carry that. Um, where are my stations? My farmer's carry is 200 meters. I need to try and do that, which is about two minutes if I'm walking at 6Ks per hour. I've planned all these out. All of my stations are out here so I know what I need to prepare for. Um that's another thing when you try and bridge the gap and you try and train for this race, making sure not only are the right components in there so that there aren't abrupt changes, but sort of knowing where the goal is, sort of knowing how hard you need to work on race day so that we can bridge that gap as much as possible. So Monday is kind of like my easy day, but I'm sort of working my chest. Tuesday is my hard run. So I'll try and do um, some hard 1K, 500 meter hill sprint kind of efforts, uh, but I'll also do a chin up and tricep pull down type of stuff to try to strengthen up what's needed for the ski erg. Wednesday, an easy run. And my easy run is like a four to 5K, just three out of 10 easy effort. It's super, super easy. Um, But then I also have squats and a prone hamstring curl for me to do in the gym. Thursday is gonna be an easy to moderate workout. So usually for my easy to moderate workouts, I'll usually run on a treadmill, 500 meters, um, just really easy. But then 
I'll have some sort of stations in between those 500 meter workouts. Um, so that might be doing some wall balls. That might be like doing some farmer's carries, uh, those sorts of things. I, I tend to sort of make it up the day before and um, have a bit of fun with that one. Friday is just strength. So I'm not doing any cardio and it's deadlifts and working my shoulders. Saturday is my long run, which is usually just going to be, um, well, at the moment it's between 10 to 12 Ks and I'm starting to play around with, it's all three out of 10 efforts, but I'm starting to sprinkle in some one K efforts of like a four or a five out of 10 effort, um, which is still quite easy. Um, but you know, just playing around with that intensity a little bit. And then Sunday is my workout. It's like, uh, trying to mimic a high rocks, high rocks conditions where I'm not going full out. I'm not doing, um, a massive effort. I'm probably trying to maintain my effort at about a five or a six and, um, out of 10 effort. And, you know, I'm doing long sessions, sometimes taking about 40, 45 minutes and I'll do burpees. I'll do rows. I'll do lunges. I'll do wall balls. I'll do running and, um, mix it all in there and, try to meet those conditions as much as possible. And yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun for me. So, um, that's, that's going well. That's how I structured out my week so far past couple of weeks, bit of chopping and changing, but, um, planning it all out and having it on paper has made a big difference. I feel like I'm covering a lot of bases. I feel like I'm covering a wide range of intensities and trying to give myself the best formula for preparing for just quickly chiming in here to let you scholars know, I have just updated my five day injury prevention challenge. This is one email per day for five days, learning new concepts and diving into the science on how you can reduce your risk of injury. The sign up link is in the show notes. So fill in your details and I'll be waiting for you in email number one tomorrow, this event. So um, that's my structure at the moment. And I feel like that's, um, helping reduce my risk of injuries. Cause if it's down on paper, I can kind of see that there's no abrupt changes there. Uh, I'm also monitoring my weekly mileage and mainly doing that through, um, exercise units. You know, I've just talked to Bradley on the podcast and we, uh, he mentioned that we need to start calculating our workouts through effort. And so I do that. Uh, I mentioned to him on the podcast that I use RPE, my average, uh, RPE for that workout out of 10. And then I multiply that by the minutes of the workout gives me, uh, my exercise units. And then I just calculate that per week. Um, and I'm sort of being sensible in the way that because these are different workouts, different cardio workouts. So I'll do a row. I'll like try to mimic a ski erg. I'll try to do some burpees. I'll try to do some farmers carries. That's all effort. And that doesn't necessarily correlate to when I do my mileage or my running effort. Um, so I've kind of separated these out. So for example, if I was to do a, a moderate workout, or let me just put my, my hard workout on my Sundays. Um, there is some running in there. I'll usually run about two or three Ks at the moment. And my average RPE might be about four or five. So that's my running effort. If, if in total, if I was to run say 20 minutes in that whole workout and my average effort is five out of 10, then I get to a hundred units. This is my hundred exercise workout points 
um, when considering the running, but I also want to consider the entire workout. So my entire workout probably went for about 45 minutes and my average effort was probably about maybe five and a half. So sometimes I'm poking into a six, sometimes I'm back at a five, but let's say average five and a half. And if I get out my calculator, I'm going to type in five and a half, which is the effort multiplied by the minutes, which I said was 45. So that gives me 247 and a half workout points. And so per day or per workout, I'll have my running only units and then I'll have my total units. And so by the end of the week, say last week, my total running, uh, let's say week one, my total running workout points was 353. So not a lot. My total workout, including the running and also all the rowing and that sort of stuff was 620 workout units. And so I want to slowly build upon that as I'm working my way through these weeks, making sure there's no abrupt changes. Probably want to keep within 15%, making sure it doesn't go north of 15%. And this is another way. This might be tedious for people, but some runners love doing this stuff. And that's been a way that I'm trying to mitigate my um, abrupt changes. I am making sure that the bulk of my running is quite easy. I'm still trying to maintain that 80-20 intensity distribution, which 80% should be at a really low intensity. Um, I still want to try to maintain that. I think with these workouts, it's probably going to be like 30-70 when considering the overall workouts. But the running itself, I want to try to keep to 80-20. Uh, and then I'll just be very careful with my progressions when it comes to speed, especially when it comes to um, rowing, when it comes to hill sprints, like all those sorts of things. We, we want to really be careful that we're making sensible adjustments. Um, so that's number two. So number one was my time frame. Five months seems reasonable. Number two, this, the training plan structure and avoiding the abrupt, abrupt loads. That's all of those things I just listed. Number three I had here is training plan flexibility. Being able to not just stick to this plan, I have the ability to, um, you know, go through and make modifications as my unexpected week presents itself. I do have a seven-month-old daughter. Um, we sometimes go traveling. We sometimes have stress and hassles and things come up. We have commitments that we need to keep to. I have or I've made an effort to make sure this has some flexibility in it. I couldn't do my easy workout yesterday because Mackenzie woke up super early and so I couldn't get up and do that. So I made some allowances, just did some strength workouts um, later in the afternoon and then I'll move like a workout. I'll shift a workout by a day and making sure that try my best to keep these workouts in. But if I miss a day, I miss a day. There's no stress whatsoever. Some people get into the worry of, I have to try and squeeze everything in. Yes, I've got these commitments. Yes, I've had this stress. Yes, I'm not sleeping very well. I'm not eating very well, but I just need to get this in. And they end up um, overworking themselves. So I'm giving myself that flexibility, which I believe is reducing my risk of injury, uh, which carries over into my fourth thing, which is enhancing recovery, or at least responding to my recovery cues. Um, because if I do have a few nights in a row of really poor sleep, 
I don't want to be doing hard workouts. In fact, I actually, um, the week prior, I swapped my long run and my workout because of my sleep. Um, my hard workout was actually on the Saturday and my long run was on the Sunday um, because I feel like my long run is still really fresh. Like I say, it's still a three out of 10 effort um, and I could handle that better on lower sleep than my high intensity, longer duration workout. And so made that flexibility, made that adjustment. Um, so sleep, I use an aura ring. It's not for everyone. Um, I think if someone has wears an aura ring or has some sort of sleep score or starts scoring their sleep, some people tend to lose more sleep because they're worried about their score or they're worried when they wake up in the middle of the night, I need to get back to sleep quickly. Otherwise I'm going to have a poor sleep score and those sorts of things. I understand that might not be for everyone. I understand if gamifying the whole thing leads to more stress, more anxiety, and therefore less sleep, don't do it. <laughs> uh, anything to enhance your sleep is is key. I don't focus on my sleep score too much. I just use it as a, a little piece of the puzzle. Um, and it also measures my heart rate variability, which I found has been quite nicely correlated with things like illness, with things like overtraining, with things like um, just lack of recovery. And so um, I'll usually use that. And I just, I don't focus on it too much. I just upload the app once a morning, quickly have a look at my score, get on with my day um, and just use it as a piece of the puzzle, not really dictating what I can and can't do. Like I say, just use it as a bit of a guide. Um, and also the intensity distribution. Like I say, 80-20 is a good ratio for me to enhance my recovery. So the combination of the three, the sleep, the heart rate variability, and my training distribution means that I am um, getting adequate recovery, enough recovery to match my training loads. Um, I usually find that my sleep, my total sleep needs to be about seven and a half hours for me to feel fresh and to sort of move on with my day. But that usually means me being in bed for about nine hours. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes it doesn't really take me that long to fall asleep, but sometimes I'll wake up a little bit in the middle of the night. I'll, st I'll, I'll toss and turn a little bit. I'll wake up a little bit early and struggle to get to sleep. Um, sometimes I need to be, be in bed eight and a half, nine hours to then register the total sleep time to be seven and a half. So I found that's really worked well for me. Um, so yeah, that side of things um, I find is really going to help me as I'm building upon these this volume. Number five that I had is my fuel. Uh, so fueling is going to be really, really important when it comes to uh, these workouts, especially these intense workouts. Um, if my long runs get longer, maybe um, I've had some nutritionists and dietitians on in the past to talk about how important fueling is, particularly for athletes that are putting out a lot of mileage, particularly for females. Um, all these sorts of things are really, really important. And before training, typically what I do in my average week, um, I've talked about this before, but I would usually fast twice a week. I'd usually pick a weekend or and also a Wednesday. I would eat my dinner at about four to four thirty, finish eating at about five, and then I'll go through from five o'clock till from five o'clock p.m. to about nine o'clock a.m. the next day. Gives me about a sixteen-hour fasting period, 
and sometimes I go a little bit longer, um, but that's usually what I would do. Um, it makes me feel good. I, I like having that period of not eating. It's worked well for me um, for the past couple of years, but I've needed to um, really be conscious about how I'm fueling before and after workouts. Um, I used to not really care about, I used to do a workout, used to go for a long run and not really care about eating straight after. Now I'm making more of a conscious decision um, to fuel myself. I'm making more of a conscious decision to eat before some of these workouts, which I'd never do. I'd never really in the past um, eat breakfast and then do a workout. Um, now I'm making that decision to do so just to fuel my body, give it some nutrients before a workout and then after a workout as well. Um, not that I am affiliated, but I have started uh, using AG1 as my nutrients um, just to like usually every year or a couple of times a year, I'll go through this like a bit of a health kick. Um, this year was six weeks prior to Christmas. I said, let me do six weeks of a bit more of a enhance my health. And uh, usually every time I do this, it's usually over a six week period. But then after that six week period, when that health kick is done, I've usually instilled a, a few adjustments to better my health that then carries over for the rest of my life. So that might be diversifying on a few more fruits and vegetables to increase sort of my gut microbiome or my diversity in my foods. It might be the fasting side of things. It might be the fueling side of things. And last year it was the AG1. I thought I'd give it a go. Um, it's a um, powder that you just put in your water. You have it every day. I have it now every second day, but um, that's something that's now into my yearly routine. Um, I've been affiliated with Prepped in the in the past. They've sponsored the podcast last year, and I use those products two to three times a week. And I try to time that with my longer workouts when I'm sweating a lot more. So Prepped is a product, um, a hydration product that can be in a powder or a pre-mixed drink. And um, I found that's really helped me. For some strange reason, my calves have been excellent um, since I've started drinking those. So not sure what the connection is there, but I like doing it. And um, I found these uh, protein amino tablets that work really well. Um, I tend to follow some health podcasts, one being um, Peter Atiyah's podcast, The Drive, uh, one being the Andrew Huberman podcast and the other one being the ultimate human, the ultimate human podcast, Gary Brecker. Um, sorry if I got that title wrong, but whenever all three of those tend to recommend something or um, show the science of this thing working, I tend to gravitate towards that. One of the reasons why I want to tick off the all those boxes at the start about the high intensity, building a bit of muscle bulk, but also having some longevity cardio stuff involved is because all three of those talk about those types of workouts and the body type for optimal performance, but also optimal health, optimal longevity. Um, and the amino tablets to get some protein, um, some extra protein into my diet and sort of coordinate when I have that during my workouts um, has been something else that I've done. So that's the changes I've made in my fueling. Um, and then number six isn't necessarily for reducing injury risk, but just like boosting overall health. 
um, some things I've made in those health kicks that I've managed to do. My last health kick, another thing I did was buy uh, a inflatable portable ice bath, which is was all over my social media at the time. And so I bought one thinking like I know I've read and listened to all the benefits of cold plunges and that sort of stuff and want to give it a go. Turns out it's really hard to do in Australian summer. <laughs> Our tap water is really warm. Um, well, it's cold enough to drink, but nowhere near cold enough to get the benefits of an ice bath. Uh, I tried buying packs of ice. It turns out I need to buy a fair few packs of ice to get that cold enough for me to have benefit. But I hear in winter here in Melbourne, it's extremely useful to use. So um, I did give that a go, but we'll... Um, break that out once the weather starts getting a bit cooler here. Um, but one other change that I've done in, in terms of my general health is once or twice a year, I'll do a 48 hour fast. Not for everyone, but I think it really works for me. Uh, I try to reduce my sugar as much as possible. Uh, that six week block at the end of the year. And I usually do like a six week block before Easter, usually do a six week block before my birthday. Um, Around about those times, I'll try to go, I say no to low sugar because I know sugar's in fruits and things, but I really try to scrap it out and um, see how I feel afterwards. And then carrying over, hopefully like that it mitigates or like I reduce my, you know, day-to-day sugar after that health kick. I'm slowly getting less and less, but it's just, it's a kryptonite of a lot of people as well as me, but I don't know why I keep doing it. I don't even really like it like I sort of like chocolate but then if I have too much I feel sick and I'm like this is just poison <laughs> I don't know why I do it but anyway um and the other thing that's really changed in terms of my fundamental um way of or the decision making is getting vitamin D um we're in Australia it's nice and sunny it's summer here um but I have made a, a shift in the way I think about vitamin D I've avoided the sun like the plague for a while, all my workouts were before the sun comes up. Um, whenever it was sunny, I was wearing like long sleeve clothing. Uh, I am, I always cursed myself uh, for having this Irish skin in this these Australian conditions. I do get sunburned very easily. I've been sunburned in years because that's how careful I am. I have had one skin cancer before about, I don't know, 10 years ago, and that's uh, scared the hell out of me. And so I've really you know, applied a lot of sunscreen when needed, a lot of clothing when needed, a lot of hats and that sort of stuff. And now I have made the decision like vitamin D is important. And instead of me cursing this incredibly white skin that I have, it is, I'm now considering it like a superpower. Like I can absorb vitamin D better than almost anyone I know. And that's the benefit of having this really white skin. And so now when I see a sunny day outside, um, if I'm planning on staying inside most of the day, which I work from home, which um, happens often, I take my clothes off and I just stand outside in my backyard or on my balcony for a good five, 10 minutes. And I just take in the sun. I like, I'm embracing the sun now and I'm not exposing myself to any sort of conditions to get burnt, but um, reaping the rewards of vitamin D, um, which you know, it's been a game changer for me. It's like I've made this incredible shift um, and who knows how much it works, how I haven't really had my vitamin D. I had my blood test taken maybe 12 months ago. My vitamin D levels were good, um, but 
yeah, that's just been a big decision that I've made. And yeah, I found it's really worked for me. Okay, number seven uh, as a topic that I have written down is a really important one. And it is considering my past injuries and like making decisions based on the injuries I've had in the past. And we know that you have a higher risk of injury. You have a higher risk of developing an injury if you've had injuries in the past. That's what the research has shown for whatever strange reason, uh, whether that's a lack of rehab or whether there's some compensations there or whatever, but it's there, it's clear. Um, And so I've had a bunch of injuries in my past. I've done all the things I shouldn't have when I very first started running and a whole bunch of injuries that I had when I um, was playing basketball. And like a clear example was the last time, like I have had patellofemoral pain in the past, runner's knee. The last time that flared up was last year when I actually was on the rower. I, um, my girlfriend and I, we were about to have a baby and we thought we'd have just like a, a baby moon type of thing. So we went away to a hotel for a night and the hotel had a gym and I walked down there the, the next morning and decided to do a workout. And so I did some running on the treadmill, then some cycling on the bike and then some rowing. And I've really never done rowing before, but did that. I think I did like three or four rounds of that and two minutes on each station and ramped up the intensity each time. And the next day I had my patellofemoral pain. It came back. And like I say, abrupt changes. I hadn't done the rower and all of a sudden I'd done six minutes at pretty high intensity all up and that was enough to flare it up. So, um, I needed to make sure that I'm, I've considered my past injuries and I'm making allowances for that moving forward. Like I say, um, I've had not a calf injury, but last year my calves were showing some signs of increasing tightness. I was getting a little bit concerned about it, could still run, but just like an increased soreness, increased tightness. And I know that for a lot of calf injuries, when they do, you know, have a a muscle strain, a lot of people report weeks, months of increasing tightness before it eventually turns into an injury. And so wanted to really mitigate that. So like I said earlier, the hydration stuff really worked well for me. And I'm also uh, rotating out my shoes. So I usually run with minimalist shoes, which I do know puts more strain on my calves, but usually my calves can handle it. But on days where I feel like my feet and calves need a bit of a break, I also have some bulkier shoes with more of a heel drop, more support, uh, more rigid in terms of their um, structure. Um, just to give them a break. And so making sure I'm mitigating or doing things knowing that I have had that as in my history. I've had a high hamstring tendinopathy uh, years and years ago for like that was persistent during my triathlon years um, and took me a, a long time to mitigate that. But now I need to be very careful when I do introduce speed. Um it is very, very correlated with speed and high intense workouts, hill sprints, um, you know, 1K efforts, 500 meter efforts, those sorts of things are really going to increase that risk of that injury coming back. And so therefore, I need to make sure that when I do increase my speed, I do so very, very gradually. Um, that I think it was about three or four weeks ago when I started doing this training, I actually um, started doing 1K efforts. I did about two of them. So not a lot. Um, what I thought was a safe start and it was, uh, but my hamstrings and 
what was it? My quads, maybe my hip flexors had a little bit of doms the next day. Sitting was a little bit uncomfortable, um, but repeated that same workout the next week and I was totally fine. So the starting point was within my sweet spot, it seems, uh, but I've mitigated that now. I, I know that is now my adaptation zone and I'll just gradually build upon it from there. Um, what other injuries have I had in the past? I, like I mentioned, the calves, the hamstring, patellofemoral pain. I've had plantar fasciitis in the past. It was mainly from working, uh, work shoes and that sort of stuff. But um, I do know after my long run or if I spend a lot of time on feet, um, both of my feet can get and my heels can get a little bit achy if I walk on floorboards with bare feet for the rest of the day. Like I say, it's summer here, so a lot, not a lot of footwear inside. Um, but now I'm making some conscious efforts if I do go for a long run and I've spent a lot of time on my feet and the rest of the day I'm walking on floorboards, cleaning the house and those sorts of things, I'll wear shoes just um, just to sort of reduce my risk of that popping back up. Um, and so you should probably do the same if you've had some injuries in the past. That's um, some good decisions. My last one, number eight, is a game changer for me and what will be a game changer for you. And it is acceptance if an injury does occur. And I've said this a lot of times on the podcast, we can't get our risk of injury down to zero. It's um, unachievable. If you want to push your limits, I want to push my limits for this high rocks race. You want to push, push your limits for this 5k, 10k, half marathon, marathon, trail run, ultra run, whatever it is. Um, if we have that as a decision to want to better ourselves, there's always going to be a risk of injury. And I want to make sure I put everything in place. I want to make sure that I lay out what I want to do tomorrow, next week, and think to myself when I write this down, if I do this workout and I start to develop early signs of injury, would I be annoyed at myself? Because a lot of times we develop an injury and we're kicking ourselves being like, I knew that was too much. I knew that was too far. I got way too eager. I got way too... Um, excited about this race. I, raced too, I ran too many days in a row, too fast. Um, and so this is why we need to lay it all out. And because I know that my risk of injury isn't down to zero, I accept that there will be some niggles and things that may pop up, maybe an injury, I'm not too sure. But I know that I'm putting all of these things in place to lower my risk. And then if an injury does happen, I want to try and make the right decisions to get back into training without losing fitness. That's going to be a part of the journey and I'm going to be kind to myself and I'm going to accept that this is just a part of the journey and it's going to physically and psychologically and emotionally help me throughout this process. Two weeks ago, I did my um, speed session. Uh, let me see if I can pull up my routine. So I, I ran about three days in a row. I did my long run on the Sunday I did my short, easy 4K run on my on the Monday because that was like an optional thing for me. And then I did my hard run on the Tuesday. I hadn't progressed my hard run. I hadn't progressed my long run. But the next day, uh, at the end of the day, I, no, actually it was the Tuesday night, walking downstairs, I started developing some foot pain, like the top of my foot. And I, start, I usually get a little bit concerned with foot pain. Um, and then just walking around in bare feet started to produce this this foot pain. And I'm like, okay, this is 
new. This is different. Let me pay attention to this. Um, the next workout, I did a lot of, um, I, I, I was kind of thinking maybe it was the top of my foot being irritated from the rower um, as I'm like pushing on the rower and the Velcro is kind of wrapping around the, my, the top of my foot, but I didn't really do any rowing a couple of days prior to that. So I kind of ruled that out, but I was concerned. Uh, I was concerned about the injury, but I knew I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't progress anything. Um, everything on paper looked sensible. I made the, um, you know, fully, I was fully aware of the decisions I was making. I was fully informed, went into it. I was injured. Yes, it sucks that I was in a bit of pain, but uh, wasn't upset at myself for the decisions that I had made. And so psychologically, mentally, emotionally, that just really helped the process. I rested. I did some strength um, that just took no load on my feet. Um, Two days later, the next day, I was walking with a bit of pain the whole day. So I wore some supportive shoes. Um, to the next day I was starting to walk by the end of the day, I was pain-free the day after that I woke up pain-free. So it took about two days to really, um, stop, uh, for the, the pain with walking to dissipate. And so made a decision to try some rowing and a little bit of running on a treadmill. So I maybe done 200 meters of running on the treadmill and about a, a K and a half on the rower. I was fine after that. I then did the next day, I did a 4K run. I was fine after that. Uh, then I gave it about a, re a rest. And then I did a, um, a long run and I was fine after that. And each time I was making these conscious decisions, if this flares up my injury, would I be annoyed at myself? Um, and I was fine with it. Go through it uh, with acceptance and um, making sure I'm not kicking myself if the symptoms emerge. I was trying to make smart decisions and now I'm back to full fitness without losing any fitness. And, um, I haven't had that, those symptoms come back. So I know in the future, maybe a shoulder injury pops up. If I'm doing a lot of chin-ups or war balls or something, maybe my back starts causing pain. That's probably another thing I should put on my past injuries is I've had a long history of episodic low back pain. Um, but I think the acceptance is really, really important. Um, and so I wanted to recap that. As I recap the entire episode, um, let's go with my timeframes, making sure there's enough timeframes for the, this event. My training plan is rock solid. Uh, monitoring my exercise units in terms of workload and effort. Making sure that the bulk of my running is really easy. Uh, pretty much the bulk of all of my workouts are fairly easy. I'm being progressive with my strength training. I didn't really talk about that, but with my squats, deadlifts, lunges, uh, all of those things, I am making a conscious effort to bump up the kilograms each time. I have flexibility in my training, trying to enhance my recovery as much as possible. I'm trying to fuel sensibly. I'm making sure that I'm considering my past injuries and acceptance if there is some symptoms that do start emerging. This is just a new chapter in my um, journey to prepare for this high rocks and it's just a, a little a little challenge that we need to negotiate in order to get back to training and so i'll keep you updated i won't be too much because i know it's not a lot to do with running but i'll let you know how my training is going if i do encounter any hiccups and things i might be doing to try to overcome that um, but hopefully this helps you for your goals this year 
and any other future goals that you have. So hope you enjoyed. And remember, every new insight brings you one step closer to your next running breakthrough. If you are struggling to overcome an injury, you can jump on a free 20-minute injury chat with me, which you can book through my calendar in the show notes. While you're in the show notes, elevate your running IQ by jumping onto my free email list so you can receive material to help rehab your injury, lower your injury risk, and increase your performance. If emails aren't for you, consider my Facebook group, Instagram, and YouTube channels. And remember, each insight you get from these resources brings you one step closer to your next running breakthrough.